Josh, Kaylee, Kaylee, Josh, expats everywhere. Welcome. Welcome to Braga. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you. you for coming. It's great to have you guys back here. We recorded for your channel recently and then you guys had to rush out. Now we're here. So I'm glad that we're able to sit down and do another session together. It's very exciting. And actually, the funny thing is I mentioned this to you guys, but I found out about your channel very early on. It was I think my channel at the time maybe was 10 to 15,000 subscribers and you guys were like maybe a couple thousand in and then you guys blew past my channel <laughs> very quickly and this was, I forget, but it was either pre-pandemic or early on in the pandemic, but it was something where I was thinking, you know what, okay. I'm going to have to get in contact with them, do a remote interview, and we're going to do it during lockdowns and this and that and the other. My life got crazy during that time. Sure. I got super busy, but it is now a true pleasure for me to actually have you guys in person because I was in Italy at the time. So yep. in Portugal, I wasn't even thinking I was going to be living in Portugal. Yeah, surprise. A little in the same country as you guys. But actually, so to completely just get away from all of that, I know you guys have had experience in both Europe and Asia that you mm -hmm. guys spent quite a bit of time out there. And that's, I think, something that is going to be interesting for a lot of people that they're thinking about different parts of the world, cost of living, this, that, and the other. Between the two, I mean, I would assume that you, since you're now here, that the answer would be Portugal. But if you had to go back and do it all again, which would be the part of the world that you might aim for first? Ooh, that's a good question. Ooh. Well, I mean, we, we've kind of done a boomerang, haven't we? Like we started out abroad living in Europe, in Spain, and then we went to Asia because it was something that was so unfamiliar to us. Right. And we thought, you know, we had this five-year plan going into it where we were going to go to three different continents. We were going to start in Europe, go to Asia, and then South America, and then finish and move back to the U.S. and just have our like little international experience. And once we moved to Asia, and it you know, we had our experience in our second country, there was like no looking back. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just always looking forward. But it worked out that we both felt the same way about it too. I yeah, think it would totally. be tough we if like one page. of us was like, wait, yeah. no, we said five years and then back to the US right. and then the other one would be like, well, I don't know. Well, that I mean, can even happen though we start, a lot of couples. Oh yeah, we know a lot of people oh, that, yeah. that happens to. I've seen to stuff. countries make or break relationships. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's kind of how ours was as well because when we moved to Spain, we were just dating. Yeah. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, we were kind of newly dating too. So it was very much so like, okay, we'll see if this works. I mean, worked wow. out. To, to, be, to be fair, the make or break moment, and, and it was made, spoiler alert. We did the really dumb American thing where you, you spend a summer like backpacking Europe. Oof. And we did it before moving to Spain. Like as we were moving to Spain, we decided to take all of our stuff, everything we were moving with, um, and either, you know, have it in a rolly suitcase or on our backs. Uh, and we traveled to like 17 countries in 40 days or oh something gosh. like that. It was, it was ridiculous. Would, it was would not do that again. Stuff. It wasn't even like with just a backpack. It was like a big hiking backpack and like yeah. a rolly suitcase because like we were moving. It was stupid. <laughs> About Basically, three, three days in, Kaylee breaks her uh, rolling suitcase. suitcase. It no longer rolled. <laughs> and and the, uh, the thing wouldn't go down. The, yeah, the, the handle. handle wouldn't go down. It was a whole thing. I mean, so that even made it worse because then we bought this strap uh -huh. and poor Josh, he was, and it was this big pink one and Josh was like doing, <laughs> like rolling with this strap, like 
dragging it pretty much and it kept like hitting the back of his legs so he had like legs. dude's bruises. gotta do what a dude's gotta do <laughs> yeah you know you gotta be chivalrous no but i mean we would this was before this was before smartphones and, and having kind of gps what year was this marlis 2009 2009 oh yeah. okay so you know we 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 had uh, an actual garmin that whenever we would arrive into a city we would switch wow. on and try to figure out like where our hotel was or whatever uh inevitably we would start walking the wrong direction first and then you know like oh my god it was god. so bad Te- technology it didn't know where these we days were. is phenomenal <laughs> but we would essentially be you know rolling in on the train or a bus and just look at each other as genuine as can be and just be like sorry for whatever happens in the next hour <laughs> I apologize. Fight. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, at each least other. you guys were able to have that communication because yeah. that's key to be yeah. able to say, "Hey, look, we know it's going to be stressful. Whatever happens now is kind of like out of bounds. We can kind of think about that as like outside of our yeah. normal normalcy. Yeah, <laughs> temporary insanity or something. Yeah. It's I, like, all right, we're allowed for the next sixty-seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And sometimes it did take that long to find our hotels. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we we both have an athletic background, uh-huh. so I think that trained us to like have a bit tougher skin. Like we're we're used to taking criticism for sure. Um, from our sports background. Yeah. yeah. Kaylee's nodding her head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that was also part of it. Like mm-hmm. we could, we could dig in on each other and not really get, you know, our, our feathers ruffled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About it. Yeah. yeah. We knew it was because of the scenario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We could rationalize it that way. But to answer your question, I don't know if we could have, I mean, I'm sure we could have, but I don't know if we would have liked to have jumped straight to Asia uh, because what we found when we moved from Spain, which was a pretty easy transition um, because culturally, yes, it's different than America, but it's not as different as moving right. to Korea in the Western mm-hmm. world. Exactly. Right, yeah. Exactly. There are, are, are norms that are in Spain that are in the U S whereas mm-hmm. when we moved to South Korea, Boy, that was that Different. was a duck out of water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially where we were given housing. So we went into a teaching program called Epic and we were given housing and there were some foreigners in the area, but we didn't know anybody yet. And it was very Korean in the second largest city in Korea, which you would think, you know, five million people, five point five million people live there. Uh, so there should be some sort of international scene. Not where we lived. So it was like everything was in these characters that we couldn't recognize. Nothing looked familiar. Like we couldn't tell where the the grocery store was based on signage. It was, it was very strange. Which city? Busan. Busan. Busan, Busan. Yeah. Yeah, So I don't know if, uh, if I would do it any other way that we did. Yeah, that would be tough. I think that coming to Europe first definitely was a little bit like getting used to it and getting used to the whole, okay, I'm out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, before going to Asia. So I think that, yeah, the way we did it was good because we kind of, we would go to different places. So, I mean, obviously South Korea was different. Um, but then after that, we went to Saudi Arabia, which is way different. And I, I don't recommend oh, wow. anyone for your first time ever, like moving abroad to go to Saudi because it is yeah. very different. But for yeah. us, it was okay because we had already done and seen a lot along the way. So yeah, I think the route we did was good. And we knew a few people actually that moved to Saudi Arabia uh, as their first country abroad. And it was a really mixed bag, whether they survived like whether they survived even six months there were some people who cracked really quickly there i could see that yeah 
And then they go back to their home country, uh, thinking that that's what the life abroad will be yeah. like. And that's not necessarily yes, that's a good point. Inaccurate. I've spoken to a lot of people like their first time they just jump into the deep end, not realizing how far into the deep end they're going. I'm not saying Saudi Arabia specifically is the deep end, but putting themselves in general in a, in a tricky situation that like maybe is a little bit more difficult than what someone might go through in another part of the world. And they say, nope, that's it. I'm going back to America. This is the best country on earth. This is the yeah. greatest country. There's no other country. And it's like, wait, wait, hold on. Yeah. Did you try a different part of the country? Did you try a different country? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I also lived in the Middle East, but still like once you get out to that part of the world, like you, there's, there's the heat and yep. then there's the heat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah, and it's, and it, it hits different. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that I very much miss the food out in that part of the world. Oh, I could yeah. all day long. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily so familiar with Saudi, but mm -hmm. once you get up into like kind of that Lebanese or Jordanian, yes. Egyptian, all that kind of style of food, Israeli food, like... Oh, I could live on that easily. There's times, especially here in Baraga, because we don't really have Middle Eastern food here, right. that I'm just craving it, mm. and I wish I could have it. Well, Lebanese yeah. is certainly one of those cuisines when we lived in Saudi that we would seek out. Yes, mm. like, yeah, really good. Yeah, like if you found a Lebanese restaurant, you could pretty much bank on it being good. Yeah. And and it being good, like like oh. you're like, we need to come back here. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah definitely. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would champion Saudi's cuisine. Like, I never actually considered it as a cuisine really yeah i mean, I, mean I, know, I know that would ruffle the feathers of some saudis <laughs> because everyone has like national pride when it comes to their of food course. and culture but um they yeah eat camel that's a big one yeah i mean that's yeah, that's, that's, that's that different around. and i don't mind camel i've been offered camera i just it it was not something that i could quite say that oh i'm gonna jump into there's other things i've had but like it's that's very, a tough one for it's me. very much like lamb really it, it's a bit oily but uh it's not weird. Like there's no gaminess to it. Uh, I, I don't think, but I yeah. think it's more like lamb. And so uh. they do like camel and then rice dishes. Yeah. Right. Those huh. are Cups, kind of yeah. the big things. Yeah. Rice in the Middle East. Yeah. yeah. Pilafs and eating all that with your hands. Stuff. Now I would yeah. say what I really like about the Middle East, the cuisine there are the dates. Oh, oh and yeah. Like the variety. So I mean, my favorite where they would cut, cut it open and put like a nut in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the best. Medjool dates. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. yeah. So I have to get those out in Europe as well. And yeah. if you find them, it's expensive. Expensive. And they're super dried out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. Yes. We've noticed that as well. Yeah. Not the same. We were fortunate that we had some students there that, that hooked us up with, uh, like they have their family owned date farms. So mm. they would just hook us up with dates. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah. So like wow. we never ran out of dates. Like we never had to buy dates either. Uh -huh. Oh, that's awesome. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a common the, gift there. Yeah, like wine then, is here. Oh, right. <laughs> they do dates there. And then you have like desserts with date syrup and date this and date date ice cream. Vimto, that's one thing I'm uh, from the Middle East. It's hard to find out here. There's there's actually a place here in Braga I've been able to find it. That's a different oh. story. But um I, I was I'm curious though, because you mentioned about working abroad. You working abroad as English teachers. Yeah. Have you had any other experiences working abroad? I mean, other than expats everywhere, of course, are there, uh, are there other careers that you guys have had experiences with? No. Well, well, I, sh I shouldn't say no. Kaylee has, I haven't. I mean, I've, I've only taught abroad and then done content creation. Mm. When we started in Madrid, I was an au pair. Oh. So 
growing up, you know, when I was in college and stuff, I liked to nanny and babysit and, yeah. and everything. And so when Josh was talking about moving abroad when we were dating, I was like, oh, I'd love to do that. That sounds awesome. But like teaching sounds terrible. I would never want to do that. So I was like, oh, an au pair would be nice because we were just dating. So I lived with yeah. the family that I worked for and yeah. I really enjoyed that, you know, taking care of a child. Um, but then, of course, as we decided to continue doing this, it was like, well, teaching is the way to go. So mm. that's how I got into it. And I really enjoyed it abroad. I don't think I would ever teach in the U.S. So I did that, and then we started expats everywhere. But then also, my mom is a lawyer in compliance, and mm. so along the way, year like years ago, um, she was just commenting like, "Oh, you know, I need someone to do this for me, like the small part of a compliance for like her clients." And I was like, "Can that person do that from anywhere?" Because like that seems pretty easy, mm. easy money. Uh, I can do it whenever. I don't have to be on a certain like time frame with clients or anything. I just have uh, monthly goals that I have to get done with mm. um so i've done that along the way and i've been doing that for quite a while it's shifted a little bit um just with her company and everything but mm-hmm. and i'm currently not doing that anymore but i might pick something back up as things move around with uh with her job but and yeah. so as it is today your main source of income is content creation and yeah. also working to to help people like through consulting yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's yep. all we do now that's mm-hmm. great i mean i yeah. really respect that you guys have been able to do that i mean i've I, there was a point where i was like moving in that direction i decided not to just because it's like it's a big deal when you're telling people it's like all right this part of the world that part of the world and liabilities and all this stuff so i definitely have a respect for you guys for doing that but i'm curious though when it comes to working abroad have you found a difference in the working styles and working environments that worked for you or didn't work for you and like which countries would those have been in for sure um okay so we were ingrained in in kind of the the work culture of spain south korea saudi to a lesser extent because all of the staff was international Mm -hmm. uh, and we rarely had to uh we rarely had to kind of deal with the the locals I say that. I mean, that sounds bad. Deal with interact. the locals. Interact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's a better way to put it. We rarely <laughs> had to interact with the locals, uh, and then to some extent, Singapore. There's there's a, a work culture that we were exposed to there. Spain didn't jive with me at all. Really, how things so? were far too laid back. Mm. Like it'll get done. It'll get done. But like when when you're a professional teacher. Um, there is quite a bit that you can control in terms of like being on time to meetings and like being efficient in meetings and um, you know, that, that side of professionalism that I didn't find there. Um, and this was no slate on the school that I worked at. Actually, I think the school that I worked at was probably more on it than other schools, especially based on some of the other teachers that I knew in different schools, auxiliary teachers or foreign teachers that were there and hearing their experiences that didn't work well. Korea's on the other hand was pure madness because like from a cultural standpoint, because it was like, it didn't seem like they cared about the quality of work that you have. Just they wanted uh, a warm body in, in the desk uh, or in the classroom. It was very strange the side of things. But in Korea, at school, all the schools, because we, we taught at public schools there, they, they teach English, but that's not really where the kids learn English. They mm. go to private tutoring and lessons yeah. and classes and stuff after actual school. So the, the students are just, the kids are studying all day. They're overwhelmed. Yeah, it's imagine. too much. It's like, it's literally all day. What they ask of teachers, what they ask of the, the foreign teachers isn't enough, really. 
Yeah, they it's, could they could do they, so they much could more. U- they could utilize the foreign teachers way more. Essentially, they just want the face in the room. Mm-hmm. But from a work culture standpoint, something that we learned. So whether it be in teaching, like in education or not, they just want like a warm body at a desk. Also, it's interesting what you mentioned Mm -hmm. about kind of the warm body in the room, because when I was teaching English, there was a point where I was looking at some schools in Asia online. Uh And that was kind of my impression that they were looking for babysitters, like Mm -hmm. online babysitters to just sit with their children in front of a screen for X amount of time. Mm -hmm. I was like. But wait, if I'm actually teaching, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, you can wear a clown costume. It's fine. I'm like, I oh, yeah, wear a yeah. clown costume. And there was like one school where they were like, oh, our best top teacher was actually wearing a clown costume, like entertaining the children. So it's like children's entertainer versus teaching. Yeah. Yep. It can be a bit soul crushing if yeah. you if you're a qualified teacher there. Yeah. Yes. But that's the thing as well. At least it's gotten better. But when we were there, there were a lot of just not qualified teachers who didn't have anything they were just uh it was a good entry level place to get experience mm-hmm. so you you would see that how serious people would take their jobs but the those who were qualified and did have experience they didn't last too long in like the public system there because they weren't taken seriously yeah right so then they would move to universities for example so josh moved That's to a university uh or just leave you know korea in general so going in a completely different direction you guys have mentioned about that you had gone abroad dating and Mm -hmm. then clearly it worked you're now married with (laughs) Mm -hmm. a child so at each part of these different stages in life did you notice that there were times that it really helped you to be abroad teaching you lessons about like putting you guys through stressful times or did spending time in the u.s was that something that you guys had wished you had done more or how do you feel about your relationship as it relates to being around the world Mm. That's not too personal. No, no, no not no, at all. No. Not at all. I, I've got kind of a shorter answer. I think Kaylee probably <laughs> has more details to share. I think moving abroad together quite early on in our relationship, we didn't spend a whole lot of time uh, back in the U.S. before moving abroad. And I definitely think that it it helped us in our relationship in the fact that when we did confront challenges, we had each other and really only each other at the time to rely on. So, you know, we grew deeper in that way. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, for me, I always, my family traveled a lot uh, internationally and nationally. So I wanted to do a study abroad when I was in college, but I didn't want to go by myself. That was a big thing is like, mm-hmm. I like that stuff, but I just need one person to go with me. And I couldn't find anyone who uh, would do it with me. I wanted to actually go to Spain for a semester. And my professor was like encouraging me. And I was like, oh, but I don't have anyone to go with. And then and along the way, I met Josh and he was already talking about doing that. So I was like, wait for me, you know, and I'll oh, so go with like you. So it wasn't like a conversation like, well, I'm going to be going. No, I don't know if this is going to work. He was, like, he was um, planning to leave during my senior year. like the January time when he and I met because we met in the fall and I was like oh if you wait for me to graduate I'll go with you kind of thing so it was a a very uh you know unconventional way because we had just met each other and it was like now we're gonna move abroad together you know it's kind of weird so for me like Josh was you know touching on it was nice to have someone I don't Mm -hmm. think I I don't know what I would have done if I would have actually done it if it was just me on my Mm -hmm. own because I know there's a lot of people who do that and sometimes I think oh wow like that's crazy because I I like to talk to people as well so it's like I want to experience things so I don't want to go to like a museum on my own or something like that because I want to talk about what I'm what we're looking at and such. So I don't know if I ever would have like done it on my own. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying that you couldn't run a solo female traveler's social media page? I could not. No, I couldn't. I know there are a lot that do, um, yeah. but I just don't. That, that's just not me. Yeah. Uh, I like to do stuff with people, I guess. And maybe a little bit of the fear as well of like, I don't want to have to figure something out on my own, which it's gotten better um, mm-hmm. now because obviously, especially with a child, there's just, mm-hmm. and I was just saying this to Josh the other day, you have to do stuff like I have to, if she's sick, I have to go and figure out how this medical system works, you know, and I, and, you know, get through the language and everything. Like there are just things that now it's like, I have to. So I do a lot more on my own. And especially like when Sia was little, um, Josh was mainly doing expats everywhere because when she's little, I was full-time mom before she was in school. And so we'd have to go places and I'd have, I do a lot of stuff on my own with just her just because we had to get out of the house and, uh, he was working and everything. Um, so it, it has gotten better along the way. Um, but I would say that was one thing with me that it was, it would be difficult to do stuff on my own at first. But I think like, Josh was saying too, um, communication was really big. Like you were saying, like when we would get in fights uh, along the way, like I think that uh, the pressure situations, whether it was with us or something outside had happened, we had each other. And so we communicated a lot about about those things. Uh, and then the thing I would touch on too, like Josh said, with our uh, sports background, um, I think since we're you know competitive or we're used to you know pressure. having our feathers ruffled and stuff, right. that that... Hmm. that and pressure that stuff um, that also just made it easier and mm. and more comfortable, I guess, in those weird situations. Really interesting. And so, I mean, clearly, since you guys have gone through really the whole relationship circle from mm. like dating all the way to getting married and now having a child, have you noticed any like major differences or difficulties now having a child that? you think, okay, we're happy with being here. Cause like, for example, I watched a video of yours somewhat recently where you guys were talking about seeing your daughter with her cousins yeah. and grandparents back in the States. Like, is that something that comes up often for you guys where you're thinking about, oh, it'd be nice to have grandparents close by or like built-in babysitters practically or yeah. those cousin experiences. Is that something that really weighs on you or is it kind of like we understand what we got into? Yes. So I would say there's, there's one, there's one step or stage that you missed, uh, that we completed, which was, we got a fur baby. Oh Yeah. So, so in, in Korea, uh, after we got married, we got an, a pet and well, you know, I, I think that that's like kind of the next phase, right. Of, <laughs> yeah. of a relationship. Like you get married, you get a pet, you get a then pet. you have Just a kid. Then you have a real kid. Yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. This one you get at can actually leave at home for a while by right. itself. Yeah. 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 Kids, you can't, um, <laughs> at least earlier on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So to answer the question, um, it did hit really hard, uh, watching Valencia back with her cousins for the first time where she's like really cognitively present and interacting and they're interacting with her and just seeing that, that love Mm. we knew going in that, um, things would be more challenging, not having family nearby to, to do stuff. Like for example, uh, just yesterday we celebrated our 12 year, 12 year, anniversary 12 congratulations thank you thank you (laughs) um but you know how did we celebrate it well we had a kid's birthday party to go to so valencia uh, one of her classmates it was their birthday so we went and did that uh and we didn't get to go out you know to dinner and a movie or whatever uh for (laughs) ourselves because we didn't have someone to pass valencia off to Mm. that's fine like we're cool with it we're like did you enjoy the anniversary day it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah okay it's like, a joke it was, right like yeah what'd you do <laughs> oh we went to a kid's birthday party 
Um, so we definitely knew what we were getting into, because yeah. especially too, like when we were in Singapore, when we were talking about starting a family in Singapore, the you know the grandparents are very involved. Yeah. Uh, you know the, the Asian culture, that's yeah. a family thing. Yeah. Um, so for us there, already in my mind, I was thinking, well, Singapore is really far from all of our family, yeah. so that's okay. This is yeah, this is what we'll do. Not a big deal. We have friends um, that you know if we need something or like here. Yes, our family's not close, but we have emergency contacts here just mm. in case. And then they have the contacts of families members in the U.S. So oh, if there's cool. anything big that happens. So just kind of thinking that stuff through that you have to do. But right. the babysitting thing, the great thing about at least in Portugal is that it's such a family friendly culture. So it's okay to have your kid in a bar or a restaurant or late yeah. at night. They, they do things late yeah. here. So mm-hmm. it's not weird. You're not yeah. looked at. Um, I mean, it's just, it's very normal. Yeah, It's so, not in Europe. Like yes. kids will be asleep in the middle of like a huge festival just knocked out. Yeah, right. exactly. Whether the, you know, the dad Oh yeah, Sandra. Well. She fell asleep in a stroller. She woke up for the fireworks. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. those know? are hard to, to miss. <laughs> yeah. and and we took her back home, and she and went, went to right bed. to bed. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, for her, she's used to used to it. So I would say it is a little harder, obviously, finding a babysitter and such. Mm-hmm. You know, you do eventually work on that um, instead of having family members, and it would be nice because we do have Portuguese friends who it's like you know a few of us will go out, and some of some will bring kids, and they'll never have their kids, and you're like, oh, where are the kids? Oh, they're with my parents, you know, of course, yes, you know. Yes, so it's, yes. so you do have that aspect which is nice then you can relax and not be like okay wait where'd my kid go you know say hey sit down over there right. you know? um but yeah we knew we knew what we were getting into and i did want to round out the the answer with this we saw as international school teachers in singapore we saw so many families model what it looked like to be kind of living abroad as a nuclear family not having grandparents or or aunts and uncles nearby and surviving and thriving in that environment where it was just mom, dad, and one or two kids. We saw that modeled by a ton of families. Mm. So we were like, if they can do it, we can do it. And these were families that it wasn't their first move. It was like their third, fourth, fifth move, you know? Right. So even moving from, you know, whenever we do move from Portugal to another country, we're not scared of that because we've seen it modeled for us. That's oh great. yeah, because people yeah. would always say, "Oh, do this while you're young, before you start a family." And we're we're always like, Put "Roots no, down." <laughs> we're starting a family like this. This is the lifestyle we chose, and yeah, we want to give our children this or child this um, lifestyle as well. And if they choose to go back to the U.S. or our home country or wherever they feel comfortable when they're old enough, okay. But this is kind of how we're doing things. And like Josh said, we saw it modeled and we saw the very happy families and, and kids mm-hmm. doing this. So when people would say, oh yeah, do this before you have kids because then you can't. We're like, mm, yeah, And those you- kids turn out to be high achievers. Yeah, like it's great. crazy. Like the things that international school kids end up going and doing uh-huh. in their life. Mm-hmm. Just because of the, all the inputs that they've had, whether it's linguistically or culturally or whatever it is, you know, the challenges that they face or see their parents face, uh, as opposed to being in a smoother environment of their home country, like mm-hmm. just kind of doing things that are, are very normal or things that they're very accustomed to doing. Um, it, it's like kids get that input of of slight chaos and they, they start to figure out how to organize things in their mind so that they, they can go be a CEO and make difficult decisions uh-huh. or, you know, go be high level politicians and make difficult decisions about, you know, the way a 
municipality or government should be run. Mm. So it's pretty cool, like seeing what international school kids go and, and do. And just, I think they're really well-rounded as well because, for example, like in Singapore, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, we're going to Bali, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that was just a normal thing because yeah. it was, yeah. yeah. It's oh, like okay. Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's like saying, oh, I'm going to Spain, I'm going to France, I'm going exactly. to Italy. It's like, yes. it's a hop, skip, and a jump, yeah. literally. Uh-huh. And cheap as well. I mean, you... Years ago, it was even less. Oh, I mean, yeah. yes, now yes. it's still relatively like low cost in comparison to other parts of the world. Like, yeah. okay, maybe it's fifty euros instead of fifteen euros. Right. <laughs> like, but you mean yeah, comparing like flying from East Coast to West Coast in the oh U.S., gosh. where it's like really expensive and yeah. far as well, yeah. right? Well, yeah. even if you're going West Coast to West Coast, like Seattle mm-hmm. to San Francisco, that's also can be quite expensive depending yeah. on what kind of plane and how you go. But so, based on what you guys were saying, I'm assuming that Valencia is in an international kind of program? I mean, preschool or something right now? No, actually, she's in a private Portuguese. Oh, really? Yep. So the... Because of her age, really. At, yeah, at her uh. age right now, she could go... There are public ones that, you know, that are accommodating to the working parents yeah. that you could do, or you could do private. So it's all in Portuguese. And the private set up a bit more structured like school. So she has different classes, music class, PE class. Oh. She has English class. We're like, yes, you're crushing it in English class. <laughs> yeah. I think they mainly sing songs and stuff, but she knows the songs already. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> So it's a little more structured in that sense because we definitely, two reasons we wanted to put her in at her age was language, absolutely, because she's young and she'll pick it up like a sponge. Yeah. And then socialization. You know, obviously you get to a point where if it's just me and her playing, going to the zoo and the aquarium and all that stuff, she needs to be around kids her age. She needs right. to learn about sharing, that kids are going to take stuff from our hands, right. you know. So in this setting right now, because of her age, it's a private Portuguese school. Cool. And in Portugal, by the age of six, she'll have to be in some actual school. Mm-hmm. So we're we're just we're not undecided. We still have a few years, so we're undecided exactly what that's going to look like. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, like, so basically, she's Portuguese environment. So she's like understanding Portuguese. Is she oh, yeah. starting to like use Portuguese? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. with us. Really? Um, although it was funny yesterday, I was sitting down beside her, and she goes, "Daddy, you and mommy speak English. I speak Portuguese." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I was like, uh, you know that sure. you're, you're speaking English right now too. It's like you speak English and Portuguese. And she's she just looked at me and just kind of rolled her eyes. Yeah, oh, what yeah, does like, daddy sure. know? Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. She's already started that. What does the adult yeah, know? Yeah, I know. She's gonna yeah make fun of our pronunciation and grammar and yeah. something like that later on. That's but but yeah, I'm, she's. She's definitely picking it up. Um, at the beginning, we traveled a bit when she started school, so it was kind of in and out. Uh-huh. But now that we've been back for, uh, we actually haven't, she hasn't been out of school for about a month and a half, and you mm. can really see it taking off. Interesting. Like, so yeah. she's how old? Four? Three? Three, Three and a half. Three. Three yeah. And a half yeah. Interesting. So, and she was born in the States, no? She yes. was, yeah. So um, a bit unintentionally, because we were in Singapore for four years, and we were planning on having her there, but then we decided, let's go ahead and get back to the European lifestyle. So from Singapore, we were going to come to Portugal with a stop in the U.S. because we hadn't been back in several years. And all in that transition, planning to leave, coming here, we found out I was pregnant. So it was like, okay, I'm not going to, I don't want to go to Portugal, you know, six, seven, eight months pregnant, try to figure all that out. So Mm. since we'll be back in the States around that time, then we'll just have her there and then we'll come here and then COVID hit. So we won't go into Mm. all that, which just delayed us getting here. But um, yeah, so she was born in the States. Interesting. So if... Without, you don't need to go into if you're thinking about having more or not, but in the hypothetical, if you were to do it all over again, would you prefer doing it in Portugal or in the U.S. based on what knowledge you have now? If I'm being honest, I think I'd rather do it in Singapore. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, if, that's, if that's an if option. If that's an option. Yeah. Um, 
for sure. I'm happy with the route that we went because we, my parents live by a really top uh, women's hospital. Mm. And so I had a, a good experience there. I think. And you had good insurance. And I had good insurance. Yeah. That was the other thing because of the, the job that I had already had with my mom. It was mm-hmm. an easy transition to get good insurance. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there was definitely that. We have friends who've had kids here and they've had a good experience as well. So if we decide to have another kid and uh, and we're here, I would be totally comfortable doing it here. I wouldn't be like, I'm going to go back to the U.S. to have, have my child. I would yeah. have her here. Or him or her here. Oh, <laughs> I said her. Oh, like, oh. I was like, I another, I don't well, know. is this something you have to <laughs> tell the judge? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a shock. <laughs> that would be a shock. Hair on not your average globetrotter, <laughs> folks. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Turning it into uh, oh. Oprah, whatever, one of yeah. those American yeah. daytime oh. shows. I prefer Ricky Lake. <laughs> that's interesting so going off in a little bit of a different direction i know you guys have kind of touched on it lightly in videos like an extension of family can be your community and what yeah. aspect of community can be also from a religious sense and so i know that to some extent at least from the little bit that you guys have mentioned that faith is important to you so for sure has being able to find like a church or some place of worship for you guys. How has that been in a different country in a different part of the world? That's like a question. that's to find a place that gels with you where you can have a connection with the other people in the, the community. That's a great question. Cause it's actually, it's, it's looked different in every, every place, place that yeah. we've yeah. lived. Very different. Uh, Spain was well, second most difficult. Saudi was most difficult, but Spain was hard in the sense that um, the international communities that existed were in in like physically strange location locations, so it was either an uncomfortable setting to to be in church, like be in a church service, uh, or in a, a weird location that was difficult to get to within the city. Um, so we decided to go to like a, a fully Spanish church and just sit there and try to translate stuff in our minds and, oh, and understand tough, it. Yeah. So we didn't really get that integrated into the church family there, if you will. Um, Just because the language barrier for the most part. Yeah. Then, that one. then Korea was, was really international. Uh, we got very involved in, in the church there in terms of. That was easy like, to find. Yeah. Very easy to find. Christian community there. Yeah. Huge. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huge. I think the largest church in the world is in Seoul, really? right? We visited it. It oh, was yeah. it was a mad. Uh-huh. It's mad. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, not our style. Like we prefer something smaller Small. and more intimate. But there's a lot more like Christian universities and such. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, in the different cities. And in Singapore, that was probably the place where we got the deepest relationship and community from, because we started going to a local church. But because the language was English, right? I mean, you do have you have English and you have uh, Mandarin that's mm-hmm. widely spoken across. Singapore, but we went to an English speaking church with actually many Chinese, uh, Singaporean Chinese, like ethnically Chinese, mm-hmm. which you would think, well, why aren't they speaking Mandarin? But they grew up speaking English. English yeah. And um, then Singlish. Well, <laughs> yes. and then, yeah, Singlish yes. would get thrown around in service, and then we would just be like, <laughs> okay. And like everybody would be laughing but us yeah. or, or the couple purely English speakers in the audience. Um, but we found great community there. And I think. I hark back at our time in Singapore as being one that was that was so fantastic because we got integrated with the local community more than we have here. Now, huh. we're only two, two and a half years into living in Portugal, mm-hmm. uh, and we, we were starting to meet more Portuguese, but our our group of, of Singaporean friends we had from like year one. Mm-hmm. Because and of the church. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because of the church, because our our work setting was very international and mainly uh, American, uh-huh. right? So we didn't know very many Singaporean people from from work itself. So then church gave us that, which was a great balance, right? I mean, I, f- I feel even now because we spend 95% of our day operating in English and not mm-hmm. Portuguese, it sets us back, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and we don't get to interact with, with Portuguese people as much as we would like, mm-hmm. but in Singapore, we were thrust into that because like we had this weekly thing where we were going and spending time with locals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which was really nice because then, yeah, you obviously grow deep relationships with locals and they mm-hmm. get to show you different things on, you know, from their point of view and obviously it's their country. So you learn new things and then you get to see their work-life balance as well. That's another thing. Cause ours, ours like Josh was saying, was a little skewed because we worked at an American international school. So it's mm-hmm. run the mm-hmm. same, like the holidays and such. You'll, you'll have the Singaporean holidays, but you also have the um, English or the American ones as well. So stuff like that is, is a little different, but then in speaking with the Singaporean. Um, it was work-life people, imbalance. Imbalance, yeah, they work a lot. <laughs> they work a lot for yeah. sure. Better, um, better than Korea and Japan, but yeah. And then yeah. if you want to explain about here, and then here, so so we go to a Protestant church, and it is really hard. I mean, obviously, because it's Spain, same thing with Spain, like, uh, and, you know, Portugal, very deeply rooted in Catholicism. Right. So there are a lot more Catholic churches available. So trying to find an English-speaking Protestant church has been a little more difficult because uh, there just aren't as many, especially in Porto. Mm-hmm. But um that as well, we've noticed there are English, our church does English and Portuguese. So there's a, there's a translation. Huh. So, but we have a lot of Brazilians who go there. So yeah. it's, there's far less Portuguese people and um, uh, the Portuguese speaking generally are Brazilians there. Uh, uh. So yeah, I think you just see a far less uh, Protestant Portuguese. So it's hard to mingle with them at, at the church we go to now because there's just not as many. Yeah, in Brazil, there's a, a lot more of an array of not just Catholics, but also evangelical. And yeah. sure. that, like, even in my family, like my grandmother grew up Catholic, but then she became a part of uh, some other denomination. And I mean, I don't even know. It's, it's something that it, she's, it's, it's been explained to me in Portuguese, but I just don't know what the translation <laughs> is in English. <Sure. laughs> but that's really interesting because like, that's something I'll admit the, the Christian world and the Catholic world and church world is foreign to me, but... I understand that there is a value there in having a group of people mm. in a community. I think that's really important to have. And especially like even I think about um, a story that I overheard a, a, a doctor from, I want to say it was probably China or something like that. Like when I was a little kid, he was living in Washington state and we were there for whatever reason. I don't know if it was a visit for me or for one of my parents, whatever. Um, but he said when he goes to a new country and he'd moved different countries, different places. He was a believer in a, in a greater power. Mm. He didn't care about the definition of what that was. So in a Christian country, he converted to Christianity. <laughs> if he was in an Islamic country, he would go to mosque and he was Muslim and he was this, he was wherever he was. He wanted to make sure that he had something and that for him was really important. I was like, Oh, I mean, thinking about it now, like I can see, I mean, not saying that it's a great idea for someone to to flip around and go in this and that or that it's a bad idea or that's a good idea, but it's an interesting idea about yeah. a different way of ingraining yourself into a community of people because when you have that around you, people will be there for you. It's something mm-hmm. that I have seen before and it's really something fascinating to me. But yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think what we've seen is people people can find community abroad in a variety of ways. Definitely. Um and I mean, for one, you, you know, you kind of find community abroad as a, 
as a, a national of a certain place. Like, so Americans will, will tend to kind of gather because of like-mindedness, I guess, first and foremost, it'd be like English speakers will gather because yeah. of <laughs> the ability to communicate yeah. and yeah. the fact that, um, barriers are reduced because of that. And well, that's I think, why we have Chinatown everywhere. We've got little, little Italy. Italy, yeah. little you know, Italy like, yeah. I mean, yeah, like yeah. people, really, people, you find to, each other, you yeah. flock yeah. to what you For know, a variety of reasons, yeah. culture, language, tend but, to be but the like beyond one. that, it's like, uh, special interest groups like uh-huh. like we know people that cycle so mm-hmm. this group gets together and it's a mix between yeah. internationals and, and Portuguese yeah. and they cycle and have that kind of in common yeah, yeah the um, hobbies I think yeah. the the family aspect of it is different mm-hmm. for sure um, in terms of like what it's like in a church mm-hmm. um, but th- I think there's also a misconception in, in churches where it's like everybody gets along and like of course things everybody has and loves their, each other their own individual th- humans are yeah. human at yeah, the end of the day that's it that's yeah. it There's because people- a person is religious doesn't mean they're a pious person <laughs> yeah I mean well it doesn't mean that like you, you enjoy like talking to them yeah. Yeah. it doesn't mean that like, okay yeah. I'm gonna go hang out with you later today or whatever Like, but you, you're fine with each other you can yeah. talk and have yeah. hold you, a conversation there's a commonality yeah. that you know is already there like yep. you it's like alright we know we have this in common and that's like it's an icebreaker without having to kind of figure it out ahead yes. of time. And it's an important icebreaker. Yeah. And yeah. it's but, a, I think it, it just for people who don't know anyone or don't have a community, just like the doctor you were saying, it's, Oh, it tends to be a very welcoming community. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So, mm-hmm. um, whether you believe or not, right. uh, people are quite welcoming when you first arrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of how, how that goes. Sometimes if you're doing like a hobby, uh, if there's clicks or, you know, you don't know the language as much, sometimes it might be harder to break into it. But generally mm-hmm. I would say in churches, like if they see, if someone sees a new, new face, they, they're, Oh, hi, you know, they talk to you. you uh, know? Yeah. If you go to a church and they're not welcoming, go to a different church. We've done that too abroad. Like we've, we've been, well, we've done that in the States as well, but, um, yeah, you go to a, you go to a like place no and like, no one like, talks to you and it's like, that's weird. weird. Yeah. I'm going to try, I'm, I'm going to go to another <laughs> try one. Something else. Yeah. Like, Cause these aren't yeah. my people. But that's also the same, like you were saying, it goes for even a social group, like a 100%. hobby based group, like whether it's at a board games or bicycle, yep. whatever this, that, but I'm curious also like maybe even just as a kind of a round out to this idea and also to this episode, like of course, in the States, there are certain things that we do and how we do them. But in a religious community, in a church or something, have there been like little nuances or little quirks that you've noticed in like a service or in something that's related to the community where it's just like, whoa, OK, that's a bit different. That's a little out there for us. Anything like that or no? I think, well, in churches, I think that they're more since like the denomination run, right. you kind of have a bit of an idea of what it's going to look like, uh, depending on what their denomination is. So I think that maybe there might be you go to one thinking it's going to be a bit more like this and then something happens and you're like oh okay well that that's not my experience with that denomination that surprised me mm-hmm. but as far as like bringing different cultural things there are like little things but they tend to be quite small and um not as big of a deal right like so for example like in singapore um it, it seemed to be a culture of like, okay, church is done and we leave, everyone leaves. Whereas yeah. we were used to like people stick around and they talk and they have a meal or so, or, or snacks or something. Yeah. Well, even to your point with that though, when we were there, our, our like smaller group in church, they would be like, you guys are American. You're used to like mingling after service. How do we do this? <laughs> yeah. Because like even they, they saw that, that they, yeah. they needed to change really? that, that church culture. Uh-huh. So huh. they, they asked us like, what, what happens in the U S that cultivates this, this kind of culture. And we were so, like food. Yeah. We were like food. <laughs> and, Coffee, and, tea, 
cookies. <laughs> so, yeah. So we started like we started like uh, once a month or, or twice a month baking cookies and then having that be kind of an anchor point, having cookies and coffee and tea oh. uh, right after services so that people could like hang out and, and just mingle for 15, 20 minutes. Um, but it was funny, like the, to your point, they did look at us to like answer that question where they didn't have it exist in their culture, but they wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's just little it, things like that. Nothing like in, super in extreme. Korea, in Korea, there was a, a pastor that spent some time in the U.S., but he was South Korean. So there were there were moments when he would make like awkward jokes, and I would think to myself like, "Ooh, like I don't know if we would have heard that in the U.S." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're asking about like little yeah. weird idiosyncrasies. I think that was definitely one of them. That was like, "Hmm, that's not funny." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but pretty standards I, I would say along along the way I think also too like you're saying so uh, if you're a pastor you tend to research either outside of your country you go mm. to different countries you have people come in missionaries whatever that might look like so you get a bit of mix of what mm. what the norm is there and how you mm. can adapt and what that looks like so I think that that stuff seems pretty pretty normal standard. at least standard um yeah would be the word yeah at least where we've gone I mean obviously we haven't been to like maybe a really small village and India or something, right. you know what I mean? Where yeah. there, there could be things that are different, but our experience is that it's been quite, quite yeah. standard. Nothing too, nothing too crazy. <laughs> no, it's, I, it's, even what you were saying about food, like doesn't matter where you on earth. That's like, that's a uniting factor. Even yeah, like in Italy, sure. like after going to the church, like they'll usually close to whatever your church is in the area. And many times there'll be multiple churches, but like you'll have um, like a cafe in front and like all the old dudes will go there, get their coffee and the families, the kids will be playing outside. And it's just like, it's a different way of expressing a similar aspect of that Sunday experience. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I hate to round it out here, but this is, (laughs) I would love to keep on going. So I wanted to say thank you so much for coming. It's so great to have you here in my home, this studio space to be able to record together. It's an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to the next time that we get to do this. Yeah. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. It's awesome. (laughs) 